Forsberg eyes the net. Shoots. Save made by Harrison. The rebound. Score! Yes, sir! Flames are 3-0 and in the overtime. Michael with a steal here. Beats it up ahead. Stolen with a step. Scores! Mark Stone, the overtime winner. His fourth point of the night. And the Golden Knights in overtime win it 5-4. Evan Bouchard, the steal, the clear to center. Nugent Hopkins rolls it in for McDavid. Back in front. Nugent Hopkins scores the tie goal. His sixth from McDavid. And Edmonton caught Chicago in a matchup the Hawks don't want any part of. Sports Radio is back in the Edmonton area. This is Sports 1440 and the Kevin Carius Show. For Saul, 71 on December 13th. Uh, good morning. Welcome to the Kevin Carey Show. Thanks for tuning in. Really, really appreciate that. And boy, things are humming along for the Edmonton Oilers. Does it feel like it was a thousand years ago when the Oilers were 5, 12, and 1? But now, above 500 for the very first time this year, thanks to their eighth straight win over the Chicago Blackhawks last night, a 4 1 victory at Rogers Place. And you know, it was, I guess, billed and tabbed as maybe a, a Connor versus Connor show. First time that the McDavid and Bedard went head to head. And really, they didn't disappoint. Right off the hop, the goal that Connor Bedard scored was out of this world. Amazing rifle snapper, top shelf on Stu Skinner. Uh, that was the only offense that the. Chicago Blackhawks uh, could muster. Uh, text lines open, one 1440 What has impressed you most about this eight-game winning streak? Send us a line. Give us a call if you so choose. But you know what? The Chicago Black- Blackhawks played hard. They, uh, with a roster that you probably didn't even know half the players, especially on defense, those guys played really, really hard for the first two periods and then just sort of ran out of, uh, you know, just runway, I guess you could say it in the sense that uh, the Oilers were the better team from the second period on. But in the first, it was wide open. I mean, back and forth, defense optional. There were tons of scoring chances. It could have been, oh, I don't know, it could have been 4-3 uh, after 20 minutes because there were so many chances and it was an exciting first period offensively. I don't think the uh, coaching staff for the Oilers probably liked uh, the amount of uh, chances that were given up by Chicago, but holy cow, you got to give Chicago credit. Uh, yesterday, remember we had Troy Murray on and he said, keep an eye on Alex Flasic. He was the guy that made the pass to Connor Bedard. Made a beautiful, long stretch pass. Bedard was in behind uh, Evan Bouchard and uh, Matthias Ekholm, but you got to give the guy credit with a shot like that. That is just, that's that's as good as it can get when you can uh, shift from one side to another side, create a little bit more of an angle and get it away lightning fast like that. Amazing. Just an amazing shot by Bedard to give them the one nothing lead, but... After that, the Oilers sort of uh, settled in after the second, uh, after the start of the second period, they settled in in the sense of 
they limited Chicago's chances, but Chicago had a lot of good chances. Even right off the hop, if you looked, if you remember, the Oilers started the third line again. They started the third line and decided because that's what they did against New Jersey and it paid off against uh, the Devils and it's paid off the last couple games, uh, you know, for what Ryan McLeod, Matias Janmark, and Warren Fogle were bringing. But to be honest, I mean, that first shift... Chicago had a couple of chances, and, and uh, Stu Skinner had to be very sharp to keep it scoreless before the Bedard goal. One of the key parts of the game last night was when Coach Chris Knobloch switched the centermen in the second period and moved things around and moved uh, Leon Dreisaitl and Ryan McLeod, switched wingers. Fogel and Janmark went to play with Leon. Brown and Kane went to play with Ryan McLeod. Text coming in. Two one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. The morning roll call. The king of Fort Nasty. Morning, KK Duke. Eight in a row for the oil. If we were tracking this stat, this may be the best new coach bump ever. It's astonishing how they've turned their defensive game around. Seemed the entire third period they didn't allow the Hawks to generate much. Also like how the refs put the whistle away for most of the game. Have a great day. Go Broncos. Northside Norm. Well, I was wrong about Connor Brown getting his first, but wow, what a release from Bedard and happy to report that the hard-hat Jumbotron win streak continues. Northside Norm. Connor Brown again. What do you say? I mean, he's 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 around the net. He's sniffing. He's knocking on the door, but he's got to start contributing offensively. You can't have a guy in the top six. That's how the game started, anyway. And you would imagine that. I mean, how how is it? Is it a demotion for uh, Leon Dreisaitl? Probably not. It's a promotion for Warren Fogle and Matthias Janmark to move up to Leon Dreisaitl, but. Connor Brown's got to start finding the back of the net and start generating more offense. It's that simple. You can't have – we've gone through this before where where that hole, you know, the, the Oilers legitimately have five. They legitimately have top, five top six forwards. If you can't have that missing piece to the puzzle at number six, which they want to be Connor Brown, uh, you, you have to – that's got to be a concern. But Connor Brown is doing a lot of things. He's killing penalties exceptionally well. He's around the net, as we said, and had a, some chances again last night. Could be around the net a little bit more. There was an instance last night where Evander Kane had a shot on goal. There was a save. Brown was maybe, and unless he was looking for maybe a one-timer open net from Brown, but there was a defender in between. He's still got to get closer to the blue paint. Things will happen for him if that happens. But Oilers with eight in a row. Can't say much more about uh, Evan Bouchard, Connor McDavid. Two more assists for both players. That's 150 multi-assist games for uh, Connor McDavid. It's simply amazing. That ties him with Mark Messier, second all-time with the Oilers. On this eight-game heater, 38 goals, four, 13 assists. Stu Skinner, 22 saves last night. He's got a 934 save percentage. But you got to give credit. You have to give credit to how Chicago played last night. If you were to say that the Hawks were going to dress Vlasic, Crivier, Roos, and Phillips, you'd go, "What? who are these guys? 
those were four of their best defensemen last night. Zikita, Nikita Zaitsev had the own goal on the Leon Dreisaitl. Uh, and then, of course, Connor Murphy's been around a while. Hey, uh, Duke, out of all the Connors, Connor Murphy had the most shots on goal. And you had it on, uh, are you in or are you out last night? How many Connors would get points last night? And it would have been two, I guess, right? It was, yeah. And Connor Murphy was sniffing around it, though. And, and like you said, <laughs> so is Connor Brown. So I, I wasn't too no. far-fetched because, uh, like you said, uh, Connor Murphy leading uh, shots on goal from that uh, collective of players, albeit a small collective. And, yeah, the, I don't know what else Connor Brown can do, uh, apart from what you kind of mentioned about maybe yeah, just, like, just getting a, a little bit closer more. to those hard areas because another shot off the crossbar, like, it's, yep. it's there for him, but... At a certain point, it I I hate to use this reference because I don't think it's in the same realm, but it loops back around to the the Puliarbi conversation of getting minutes in the top six when you aren't producing producing offense because you can be an effective player. There's a lot of ways to be effective, but in the top six, you are expected to produce offense, and unfortunately, Connor Brown still unable to kind of you know bust that seal and, and get things going. And again, doing a lot of really good things. I mean, his PK is phenomenal. It's one of the reasons the Oilers penalty kill unit has been so uh, outstanding in the last uh, you know couple of weeks. And I mean, Matthias Janmark, the return of Matthias Janmark is a big part of that as well. So the Oilers now with eight wins in a row are banging on the playoff door in the NHL. We weren't talking about this because it wasn't really... Um, it's not how you set goals. Uh, two weeks ago or th- whatever it was when they were 5-12-1, the goal was to get ahead of the next team, and that team was at that time Minnesota or Anaheim. Well, that's happened because of this eight-game winning streak. But right now the Oilers are tied with the St. Louis Blues with 27 points, one back of the wildcard team, which is Arizona, uh, the second wildcard team. And St. Louis Blues with some big, big news last night. Fire. Head coach Craig Berube from Callahoo, Alberta. So Berube, the third coach to get the axe and all in the Western Conference. So Drew Bannister takes over in St. Louis. The Blues lose last night against Detroit. Four losses in a row and floundering, I guess you could say. I never had the Blues to make the playoffs, to be honest with you, in the Western Conference. So they're still right there uh, and hoping just like Minnesota and just like the Oilers will receive a little bit of a coaching fired bump. The other big news today is in Washington or I guess Virginia, if you want to call it that. And that would be Ted Leonsis, the owner of the Washington Capitals and the Wizards is meeting with officials in Virginia to build a new facility a new rink in virginia and the uh so outside of where you know where they've been in in washington you know they used to be in landover now in washington but a new building is what ted leonsis and the capitals want then there was some talk about washington officials <laughs> saying we got some cash for you and we're going to refurbish uh, the arena in Washington. This is going to this is weird how this is going to play out. And it, and then tack on what's going on in in Arizona. I mean, they can't find anywhere to build a place. They they say they got some land in Arizona. Is it going to come to fruition? Who knows. I mean, they sent that post out about the vast desert land it looked like that scene from casino with pesci and de niro meeting 
Uh, just in the middle of nowhere. There's probably dead bodies all over the place. Uh, text coming in. Uh, Stair Farmer, good morning. The owners found a groove. It looks like they don't panic now when something isn't going their way. Third line keeps playing hard every game. Makes a huge difference Difference when the top nine is playing well. Steve says, for me, it doesn't matter if Connor Brown scores now. It only matters in the playoffs. It will be a big part of that. Thanks, Steve. Uh, another big, big goal for the fourth line. And it all started with a four-check for um, Brett Kulak. And then just like a little return the favor. Uh, Sam Gagne and Derek Ryan, the two did it the other day against Jersey. Now uh, 141 left in the first period. Massive goal. Sam Gagne gets his fourth. He had a goal and an assist. Two-point night. And, uh, you know, he's contributing as much as you can possibly ask a guy uh, to do on the fourth line. And James Hamlin had another strong game. That fourth line is proving. They had many times where they were just cycling around in the offensive zone and creating some offensive zone time. Uh, very impressive uh, performance by the fourth line as well. You know, one player on the Blackhawks, a guy he's going to have to keep an eye on, is Jason Dickinson. Ah, that guy is going to create some interest at the trade deadline. He's a free agent next year. He's making about $2.6 million this year. He will be a guy that will be sought after as a guy that will be a plug-in and a real depth player for some team down the stretch and into the playoffs. And what about Zach Hyman? He gets the uh, 4-1 goal, another nice feed from... Uh, uh, from the captain, Connor McDavid, for his 16th to make it 4-1. But, oh, that pass that uh, Connor McDavid made to uh, to Ryan Nugent Hopkins to tie the game at 1. <whistles> sweet, sweet, sweet. Uh, hey, King of Fort Nasty. Are you just listening, King? Come on, King. Pay attention. There's a quiz later. Quickly want to issue some love to Brett Kulak, the King says. What a solid, all steady D. This guy is seldom here about a glaring error by Kulak. Instrumental. The King just comes through again. Um, we will chat with Derek Van Deest from NHL.com right after the break. Uh, DVD was up in the press box last night. You know what the, the coolest thing, Duke, in the press box last night was? Take a guess. And I don't know if it was on TV because it wasn't watching the TV as close as the ice. But the coolest thing in the press box right below press box row, I would say 30 Santas all sitting together. Uh, so I don't know if they had a shot of them on the on the broadcast. Oh, oh yeah, there they, there they, was some love for them uh, on uh, on the broadcast yeah. there, and it was it was popping off across social medias as well. Yeah. It uh, almost a full section. Worth I of counted Santa thirty Claus. of them. That's that's quite a few. And uh, they, you know, I mean, there wasn't one Santa that didn't have a little diboja in his hand. And how, you know, I mean, you got to get that glass in there with the beard. You got to, I mean, it's, there's stuff all over your glass and I mean, hair in your mouth. And I mean, I guess when you have eight or nine or 10, it really doesn't matter, does it? You don't feel that. I guess. I'm just, I, don't, I mean, have you ever had to experience this, Duke? No, no, I've no. never, uh, never partaken in being a Santa Claus or anything else where I've had to wear a big uh, fake <laughs> beard like that. Uh, that's commitment to a bit. And I respect it a hundred percent. But uh, yeah, God, I would, th- and even like with the uh, like how hot it would get on your face, and those, oh. the Santa costume cannot be a uh, naturally cooling uh, piece of fabric, like especially. <laughs> and then you're all crammed in beside each other, all sweating at the same time. Yeah, I, 
I, I admire the commitment, but I don't. You'd be pretty, pretty hard pressed to co- convince me to join them. Remind me, Duke, to tell you an outstanding because I've dressed up several times as Santa, but I don't want to say it right now because you know there could be a couple kids that are listening on the way to school. So you know. When we come back, Derek Van Deest will guest with us. Of course, Mark Spector at 8 o'clock for Booster Juice on the Mark. Uh, Darcy Goldbra, interesting story. Can you think of two players from, I don't know, a small town going to the development or the, uh, the uh, not the development, the, the, um, the, the, the training camp, I guess, for the national junior team? Two players from Irma going to, right now, they're in it right now. Scott Ratzlaff, Jagger Fergus. Uh, the U Sports team lost to the national junior team last night 4-2. So we'll talk to uh, Darcy Galbra, Irma Minor Hockey. These two players are from Irma. Well, that's coming up at 8.40. David Schlemko will coast from 9 to 11. Uh, then we'll have Brennan Menard, uh, Sherwood Park Crusaders, and our game of the day for St. Albert Dodge as the crew take on Bonneville. And Joel Reedy and the LA Chargers uh, will uh, check in at 10.20 as the Chargers get ready for what should be just a monumental Thursday night football game against the Raiders. Coming up right after the break, Derek Van Deest, NHL.com, on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. Oh, yeah, classic Canadiana. And here's something I never thought I would read in 33 years of broadcasting. Tommy DeVito and Zach Wilson are the NFC and AFC Players of the Week. <laughs> That's bizarro, bizarro world. Uh, time now for the puck report. Brought to you by Fountain Tire. Right now, during the Road Ready Sales event, you can save up to two hundred twenty-five dollars off select tires and a bonus of fifty dollars off any service until December sixteenth. Book your appointment at FountainTire.com. Some restrictions do apply. Uh, as we welcome in Derek Van Deest from NHL.com. Morning DVD. Morning, Kevin. How you doing? Good. Did your alarm go off just in time or what? Uh, yeah, well, you were my alarm this morning, so it's, it worked out well. <laughs> we were talking about that last night in the press box, and that's just a, it must just bring like bang, 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 and DVDs just rolling out of the rack. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That was a late game last night. Started, I think puck drop was actually like eight fifteen by the time they dropped the puck. So yeah, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a late game. It was a national game in the United States. So those that were up uh, <laughs> uh, at that time in, in the U.S. got to see. The two McDavid's, uh, so the two Connors go at it. Uh, there's actually four Connors on the ice last night, but the, the ones they were they were concerned with were McDavid and Bedard. And uh, you know, I thought I thought the game for the most part uh, lived up to its billing. Bedard had a great goal, and then I thought the Oilers were really really patient and played a really good game last night. You know, you mentioned it to have the eight fifteen start. At least Connor Bedard scored at around ten thirty Eastern. You know, at yeah, least the, exactly. the Eastern crowd could see the the beautiful goal that he scored. But, you know, all the hype there was, you know, it's, it's again the first time that these two guys played, and Bedard played very well in the first period. The Oilers kind of locked him down a little bit after that. And then Connor McDavid showed just, I mean, he was wheeling, he was flying, and, you know, it, this team was just on a real roll. It's a, I was saying off the top DVD, it feels like a 1,000 years ago the team was 5-12-1. and one. Yeah, no, it does. It, it, it feels like a long time ago, and, and even they got off to what was it, two nine and one start or something like that. It was it, it was a long time ago uh, since this team was struggling. They look like a, a completely different team, and McDavid is is flying. You're right. Last night he was flying. Last night, and, and he's got that speed and acceleration back. So whatever was bothering him early in the season when he had that back issue, um, he's obviously gone, and uh, he's he's playing well. But and, and I think that kind of 
reverberates throughout the entire lineup because now the team is playing, I think, a lot better. They're, they're a bit more structured. They're getting the goaltending. Defensively, they're playing better. Um, so it kind of just goes throughout the lineup. And, and, you know, they're going for nine in a row. and mm-hmm. That's a franchise record, winning nine in a row. This team has never won ten in a row. And you look at those great teams they had in the 80s, uh, the best they could do is they win nine in a row is the best they could do. So um, they've accomplished a lot here. They've really turned this thing around on a dime. Uh, and now they're they're kind of climbing back up the standings. They still have a, a ways to go, though. They yeah. talked to Zach Hyman last night and a couple guys in the dressing room last night. They say, hey, this thing isn't, isn't over by any means. We still have a long way to go. We still have to get back into that playoff race. we got to keep climbing. And uh, But uh, they're doing it the right way. And then and you're looking at this, you know, they've played four games of a six-game homestand. Uh, you know, if they sweep this homestand, they're looking pretty good. Uh, with the heading on the road with three games for the Christmas break. So, um, yeah, if, you, if a lot of people would have said, wow, you know, I don't think the Oilers can get back in this race, and they do it in this manner, winning eight in a row, um, it's kind of impressive what what they're doing right now. And then the way they're winning, too. They're not they're not run, running and gunning. They're, they're, they're playing a good, solid defensive game and then kind of building from there. So I think that's what they wanted to do at the beginning of the year. It just didn't work out. Uh, unfortunately, it cost Jay Woodcroft and Dave Vance their jobs. But right now, now they're playing kind of the kind of hockey that uh, you expect from the Edmonton Oilers this season. Derek Van Deest, NHL.com is our guest on Sports 1440. In the second period uh, DVD, there was a little bit of a lineup switch in the sense that uh, Leon Dreisaitl, Ryan McLeod switched their wingers. What did you make of that, uh, I guess, tactical decision by Coach K? Well, I think he's just trying to get uh, that line going, the dry saddle, uh, you know, the, the dry saddle line going. Um, and and I think he said he didn't want to change all, all of it up. He, he likes to just. He, we asked him about it after the game, and and he said he just wanted to make that little switch. You know, he, he just felt that uh, that might help the you know the, the two lines a little bit um, get going. Um, you know, but the, when things are going well, you don't want to you don't want to mess too much with it. Like you want to tinker. Um, for the most part, because things are, are going well. The top line is playing great. I thought the bottom two lines are playing great. Uh, so you don't want to tinker too much. But he was just trying to trying to get that line going again. I think he thought he felt they were getting a little stale. Um, so no, that's I think right now what every, you know Chris Knobloch is doing is, is working. Like he's just he's come in here and he's sketched at such a calm demeanor, and I think it's reverberating around the team. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of people didn't know much about him coming in here, and a lot of guys had never played for him, so they weren't sure how, how to deal with him. But I think right now, um, just his, his calm demeanor and everything he's doing seems to be working out. And, that, you know, that's, that can that includes starting Calvin Picker the last game, uh, and he had a great game, so it's working out well. So Skinner's kind of coming in here and playing well. And so, um, yeah, so right now he just seems to have a different outlook right now, and, 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 it's, and it's working out. Um, and I think that's really good for the hockey club. Derek Van Deest, NHL.com, with us on Sports 1440. As you mentioned, DVD, the orders can go for nine wins in a row tomorrow in Tampa Bay. Pays a visit to Rogers Place. The Canucks beat Tampa Bay 4-1 last night. The Oilers twice have won nine in a row. They did it last spring, and then uh, way back in the early 2000s, they did uh, nine in a row as well. Accomplished that feat. What have you made of the penalty kill so far in the last, oh, I guess nine games? I guess the penalty kill would be 30 of 31 if I got the number correct but a big reason why they're on this heater yeah they are and I think a big reason for that is, is the return of Matthias Hammer and I, I think 
he's really made a big difference uh, coming back. And, and just, he does a lot of things for this hockey club. Um, and he's, he's, a, he's a very good player in a sense that you can move him up and down the lineup. He'll kill penalties for you. Uh, you know, he's really you know, determined on the forecheck. I think him coming in here and, and, and you know, helping out the, the penalty kill has, has been a big step. I also think Connor Brown, for the fact that Connor Brown can't score a goal, can't buy a goal, I think he's doing good things defensively. I think he's, he's helping out on the penalty kill too. And I think that the order just, they just seem to be a bit more determined on the PK. They're blocking more shots. They're winning more battles. I think early on that they're losing a lot of battles in the corner, losing a lot of battles for loose pucks. And I think the PK is a big thing. When, when you do get a save or, or you do get a block shot and the puck goes in the corner and it's a one-on-one battle, sometimes it's a one-on-two battle, you've got to try and win those. And I think right now the orders are winning those early on in the year. They weren't winning those, and they were kind of running around, and, and, and they are getting hurt in that regard. But um, I think the PK starts with your goaltending, Kevin. They always yeah. say that goaltending is your, is your best penalty killer, and they're getting it right now. They're, they're getting those saves, and, and then Stuart Skinner is, is in a bit of a groove right now. Um, you know, they couldn't do much about that shot. The Bernard took yesterday. It was an incredible shot. Just kind of showcased how talented this young man is. But he is playing a lot better. Uh, he just He's reading the game a lot better, and I think – uh, the PK starts with him. He's playing a lot better. Uh, but I also think that Matthias Yamark was a, was a big addition to that penalty killing unit. Well, the Oilers with a 934 save percentage by Stuart Skinner in this eight-game winning streak, 7-0, and uh, 22 saves last night. Of course, uh, Cal Picker got one of those wins. But during this uh, eight-game streak, DVD, 38 goals for, 13 against. That That's 25 uh, goals for differential. It's the highest in any eight-game span. Uh, since 1986 so you can see that not only are they you know the games are are, they're winning the games but they are they're almost not in question they are really laying the boots and laying the hammer down but as you said and Zach Hyman said they can't afford to take their foot off the gas because of the hole that they dug themselves no exactly and 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 I think it starts in their own end and I think credit has to be given to Paul Coffey here Mm -hmm. when Paul Coffey took over uh, on the bench, and I talk, I had a long conversation with Jeff Jackson yesterday. We, there's a Q and A on NHL. dot com with, with Jeff Jackson that him and I had this conversation, and I, you know, a lot of people said, "Wow, you're taking one of the best offensive defensemen in the in in the history of the game, and and you're asking him to help the the your defenseman play defense." And, and I think a lot of people thought, "Is that going to work out?" But I think he's done a wonderful job with some of those younger guys. You look at Darren and how well he's playing now. Um, how you know structured the, the the game that he's playing? You look at Bouchard. I think Bouchard is still, uh, you know, the, he has his odd struggles in his own end. He's still, you know, difficulty reading, but he's playing really well in a sense that he, he's he's not making those five alarm mistakes anymore. Um, I mean, he's he's on a twelve game point streak right now. Uh, so the only guy that that has done that was was Paul Coffey. So um, you know, he's helped out so much in, in that structure in the back end. And I think that's that's really helped a lot. And I think the owners, they wanted to do it. They know that winning starts in your own end. If you can take care of things in your own end, the offense will take care of itself. The owners have more than enough offensive weapons to take care of themselves with. They don't want to get in a track meet. They don't want to win 8-6. They don't want to win 7-5. They want to win the game 4-1 and 5-1 and what they're doing uh, right now. That, that That's the type of game they want to play. And I also think that they're not forcing things. When things aren't working their way, they, they, they're continuing 
to, to kind of stay the course, play that structured game, and knowing that eventually will come. And I think we saw that yesterday that they went down a goal, they didn't panic, they kind of just kept playing their game, they got back in the game, tied it, and then kind of just leaned on the Blackhawks and, and were able to kind of run away with it. But we're seeing that a lot. Uh, we're seeing that they get in the goaltending, and yeah, they are really, really playing the type of hockey that a lot of people expected them to play at the beginning of the season. Uh, let's get to that interview you had with uh, Jeff Jackson. That's where I wanted to go next. And I believe the quote that Jeff Jackson had with your question regarding Paul Coffey and being offensive and trying to teach defense was that's narrow-minded. That's coming from Jeff Jackson, which is totally true, and you can see it now. But what else did you take away from uh, your interview with uh, Jeff Jackson? Well, it was. Uh, I was lucky. I was afforded the, the opportunity to talk to him in a one-on-one situation. And, and the thing that I took away from that interview, and then we asked him a lot of things. We asked him about, you know, Ken Holland, and I asked him about uh, the situation with Jay Woodcroft and Dave Manson. So we we did get into a lot of topics. But it, it just to me, it just um, how how smart this 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 man was, and how cerebral he is, and and how he's kind of looking at this. From a, from, a, from a different perspective, like and in his his background has helped in a way that you know as an agent he saw how teams he said how teams ran things how teams worked and he saw how every team in the in the league did certain things when it came to maybe you know their players or sending in the minors or drafting and development and he kind of is taking what he saw and what he liked some teams did he wasn't sure that he liked what other teams did and he's trying to take the best of what he saw and implement that to the Edmonton Oilers. Now, another thing that I really liked about Jeff Jackson, and we had this discussion as well, is I, I'm a believer that you have to surround yourself with, with good people. You have to surround yourself with, with, a, with a smart team, and you have to trust those people to do that job. Um, you don't want to be the guy that thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. Even when you are the smartest guy in the room, you want to surround yourself with smart people, and he's doing that. And, and, and I think he's, he's not afraid to... To, to bring someone in and say, okay, we want you to do this job, and I'm going to let you do this job. I'm going to allow you to do this job. I'm not going to, like, pound over you. And, and, and he says he wants communication throughout the entire organization. He wants everyone to kind of not work in silos. He brought that word up three or four times about not being in silos. He wants, he wants complete communication throughout the entire organization. He's brought in some really good people, and he's not afraid for these people to let them do their jobs. And I think that's really, really important. Um, when you when you have a person that isn't is 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 so self confident that he's not afraid to have smart people around mm-hmm. him, uh, and he doesn't have to be the smartest guy in the room. I think that 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 says a lot about a person. That says a lot about his personality. And you know, if anything that came out of that interview, uh, you know, we talked for about fifteen minutes yesterday, is that you know the orders are in actually really really good hands with this guy. Uh, at the wheel, I think I just think he 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 really knows what he's doing, uh, and he has a vision for this organization. He has a plan for this team, um, and I think uh, he was a tremendous hire by the Edmonton Oilers. DVD, when you asked him about Connor McDavid, Leon Drysaddle down the road, and it is down the road, he sort of said, "Well, it is. It's down the road. I got a lot of other things on the fire before we kind of get to that." What was your take on that? Well, I think it was. It, what was interesting, he said that. You want to make your organization desirable to players, and you want to treat the players right. You want to be a team that 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 has capable of winning. So I think what 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 he was getting at is said, hey, if we treat our players right, which they do, and give credits to to Daryl Cates, he treats the players very well. If if you give them 
basically all the tools to succeed here at this in this market, and and you have success in this market, then they won't look uh, for for the grass is greener somewhere else. They will say, hey, this is a top notch organization. Uh, they're a quality organization. They play in a great building. They have a great fan base. Uh, why would I want to go somewhere else? As long as you can afford to pay the players what they're going to deserve. Now, I think that's going to be the key here because Dreisaitl's probably in for, for a big raise and obviously McDavid's in for a big raise. You're hoping the salary cap increases enough where you can kind of fit them both under, under the cap. But I do think that he said it's, it's about making the place desirable for unrestricted free agents. And I, and I think we've seen that in Edmonton because we've seen that in the last few years. You know, they ha- they've been able to go out there, bring in a guy like Zach Kyman, said, make this place desirable to play. Bring in a guy like Evander Kane, this is a desirable place to play. Bring in some of these free agents and saying, hey, we- people want to play in Edmonton. They want to make this a destination city, a destination organization. Uh, and I think right now that's what he's looking at. He says, we have a job to do. When these guys become free agents, we want to keep them here, but we have to do it by exactly treating them well and having a winning team. And I think that's the, the approach he's taken to that. Because you're right, they're able to go wherever they want, but if they look at this organization and say, hey, I'm not going to get anything better somewhere else, then they'll want to stay here. And winning has a lot to do with it. Uh, DVD, hey, thanks so much for your time. Check out that interview. It's a great one with uh, Oilers CEO Jeff Jackson on NHL.com uh, with Derek Van Deest. Appreciate your time, DVD. Thanks a lot. Sure. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Kevin. That's it. Derek Van Deest, NHL.com, and our puck report brought to you by Fountain Tire. Head to fountaintire.com to check out their winter tire lineup and brand offerings. While we're doing that interview, the Duke, very busy, putting together some uh, post-game comments from last night. Who do we got coming up after the break, Duke? Uh, we can hear from uh, Stuart Skinner, Ooh. Sam Gagne, and then maybe a little bit later in the program, uh, some Coach Knobloch as well, possibly. I think Sam Gagne said last night it, it's refreshing and first time that he's ever been the biggest guy on his line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's a rarity, and I'm sure one that he uh, he relishes the opportunity to be the, uh, the enforcer, the muscle oh. on his deployment. Well, I mean, James Hamblin, and I, I, I would think Derek Ryan is a tiny bit taller than Sam Gagne. I just have to think on this a little bit, but I'm sure we're going to have, a, it's like, by you know, 5'10 and a quarter to 5'10 and whatever Well, yeah, it and it, it all depends on, you know, maybe actual height compared to listed height because we all know how... Guys uh, wearing lifts? Sporty. Yeah. <laughs> in their skates. Did you ever, when you were going to hockey camps, put rocks in your pockets when you were weighing in? Uh, no, Kevin, I was never going to any hockey camps where we had to weigh in. We did that all the time. Throw a few rocks in. Bulk up. Bulk up. I remember I did that in 1980. I went to Calgary Wranglers camp in, ni- a, in 1980 or At a 81. certain point, could that be detrimental? Like a guy like me. Like, no, because I, I, I weighed 80 pounds. Well, it's like, like <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm obviously not very tall. So like if I put too many rocks in my pockets, all of a sudden they're like, how is that five foot eight guy weighing in? There's like, he's fat. He's no ah. good. They're checking y'all. They're, you know, it's not like as back soon, in the day. As soon day. as I take the tarp off, they'd be like, oh, don't worry. That guy's not fat. He is ripped. ripped. Just shredded. The shred gods <laughs> yeah. had a look at him and just went, this is our man. This is our guy. <laughs> Sign him up. Um, yeah, that was a true story. We did, A lot of guys did that back in the day. They would put rocks in their pockets and get an extra pound or two on the scale. I don't know. Whatever it takes. 
Whatever. You need every advantage you can get, Duke. Uh, when we come back, we'll have some open text line. We'll hear from some of the Oilers after their eighth straight win last night uh, on the Kevin Carey Show right after the break on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right. Welcome back to Sports 1440. 740 break means B.A. Diana. Brian Adams, his ode to Princess Diana. I think there's confirmation on that. We had it from Slat sent something. In, I so think. Somebody sent us yeah. something saying that uh, no you were correct about in that. It. I mean, it makes sense. Like you said, they were friends, so it, it certainly makes sense. I don't think Chuck was happy about it. Princess Prince Charles or whatever. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. Or King think Charles so. now, I guess. Yes. <laughs> how soon will we be seeing the? Because I know they started minting it, but like, how soon will we actually oh. see the money with the loonies King and Charles' face on it? I don't know. And that'll be a really weird thing for at least, like for me. Like my, I've I've never known anything else in my life. Well, not just you. Think <laughs> your your grandparents, the majority, your of grand, people everyone. in the country, right? Yeah. yeah. Text coming in one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty on the subject of British pounds weight or whatever you want to call it. Hacksaw says, 2K. Hey, was that back in the age when things were weighed in stones? I believe a stone was about 14 or 15 pounds. Would you know that, Duke, or not? Uh, I'm not sure. I, I, I don't know off the top of my well, head. Well, someone said, well, what do you weigh in, in back in the day in Britain or whatever? What do you weigh? I don't know. Seven stones. Seven stones. So it would be like 120 pounds or 15 sure. pounds or whatever. Yeah, I have a little um, an app on my phone that does uh, metric to imperial conversions and all sorts of things. I don't. I have never checked, ever dug deep enough in the list of options if stones is in there or not. Here's one of my pet peeves from uh, the from metric to imperial. When people call kilometers kilometers, really, I say kilometers. I, well, you're going to change now <laughs> because well, do you say kilograms? No. You say kilograms. I say, I say kgs. Well, but you would say kilograms. Yeah. You don't say... But there's all sorts of words that, how, what do you, that how, they change their pronunciation. What do you say for centimeters? Do you go centimeters? Well, no, there's no O in it. Well, centimeters? Sure. No, <laughs> don't try to get... Uh, and here's the, the thing. The proper is, is I, I, kilometers. I, I think you're 100% right, yeah. but uh, I think there's probably just been some differentiation uh, from the original UK uh, pronunciation to like like there's lots of words they still say like aluminium. Yeah, well that's uh, <laughs> that's on another planet. What that is, <laughs> but uh, but no, yeah, I, I do say uh, I do say kilometers. There you go. Well, or, I bet you're gonna change or clicks. clicks. Yeah, we used to call them Kimmies on highway construction. Yeah, Kimmies. Speaking of uh, minuscule numbers, that's what Stuart Stuart Skinner's been uh, parlaying lately. Seven wins in a row. That's the first time a goalie's done that this year. Uh, Oilers on an eight-game streak. Cal Pickard with the other win there. 22 saves last night. A 934 save percentage in that eight-game winning streak. Simply remarkable what the Oilers net mining has done. And now Stu Skinner's, his goals against is under three. 292 save percentage. Just think about how low, where it was. Like for it to get, it's at 890 right now. So for it to, it had to have been so low for it to start creeping up to, to 900. Uh, simply remarkable run that Stu Skinner's on. This is what he had to say after last night's game. The team, uh, you're just rattling off wins here. So you got eight in a row here as a group. You personally rolling too. I mean, much better does this feel than before? Yeah, uh, obviously feels a lot better. Um, 
it's our job to just keep it going and keep on uh, getting two points. Another big two points for us to get above 500 here. So um, got to keep on moving forward. For you personally, you know, when things don't go well in this city, the goalies get a lot of spotlight. How did you deal with that pressure and, you know, how sort of happy are you the way it's turned? Yeah, uh, I think at first I was obviously a little bit frustrated, a little bit upset. Um, you never want to be hearing that from your fans, obviously, but um, at the same ta- at the same time, uh, I knew it needed to be better. Uh, the whole group did, and um, that starts with me. And uh, for me, it was sticking to it, uh, keep on working on my game, keep on, you know, just keep on grinding, uh, never give up. So um, it was a lot of, just a lot of that, a lot of per- perseverance as a complete group. You know, we got to ask about that kid's shot. Yeah. I mean, you, you knew it was going to be there coming in, but just, just your thoughts on that one. Yeah, um, he made a really nice move. Um, very quick release, uh, very quick handle of the puck, so um, placed it really well as well. Uh, it's pretty hard to do to, to move it that fast and still pick a corner, so... Um, a goal where I would I would tip my hat, but I also know that I can uh, I can do something to improve on that. So I'm going to look at video, talk to Schwartzy, um, and I'll figure out a way to stop it next time. You can pre-scout that shot lots, but when you see it live, it's got to be different than watching it on video, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, for sure. When you 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 watch it on video lots because anytime you open up Instagram, it's the first thing that comes up is his shot. Um, <laughs> But uh, seeing it live, uh, yeah, I thought I thought in overall, I thought he played really well. Um, he had a couple blocks as well, which was uh, good to watch. And um, yeah, he made a nice move. It was a very nice shot. Um, yeah, give the kids some props. The way this group is defending in front of you and kind of the commitment that's there. Not that they weren't trying before, but it's so much more efficient right now in front of you. Yeah, we're very committed as a group in the way we're playing. Um, yeah, I think he nailed it. Um, guys are doing a really good job working really hard pk's been really good power play's been good um puck handles with the d have been good pretty efficient uh i think our four check is incredible when we're able to get on it so there's a lot of things that go into being able to win a game um yeah the guys are doing a heck of a job i think in the second and third period i got eight shots something like that you know it wasn't many so um huge props to the guys playing in front of me that's Oilers goaltender Stu Skinner after last night's 4-1 victory over the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, yesterday we had Troy Murray on and we talked about several players on the Blackhawks, but he said, keep an eye on Alex Vlasic. Keep an eye on a young defender that really has just, <laughs> I mean, Kevin Korczynski is getting, was getting a lot of the, I guess, hype or whatever, because you know, he he made the team coming out of camp, and right now Vlasic is kind of was kind of behind, I guess, Korchinski. But Alex Vlasic was sensational last night. He he played almost twenty five minutes in the game, and a lot of those minutes were against the McDavid or Drysaddle lines. There was one instance where Drysaddle got a little bit behind him. Other than that, he defended exceptionally well. The guy is six foot six. He's only 22 years old, uh, came up through the U.S. Development uh, League, and uh, he's only played 46 career games. This year he's played 26. So I was just so impressed. I thought he was – you could have called him the best defenseman on the ice last night. He was very close to being that type of player. Uh, just uh, And again, the, the, the team that Chicago iced last night – 
Holy cow. I mean, half of the guys you probably, the casual fan never even heard of. These guys, you know, when you look at even the fourth line, Lucas Reichel, Cole Gutman, Mackenzie Entwistle. These are guys that, you know, they're not household names. Joey Anderson's not a household name. You know, they've got some guys up, even, you know, Phil Kershev, a lot of guys really haven't even heard a whole heck of a lot about him. But on defense, Vlasic, Crevier, Philip Roos, 17 career games played coming into last night. Isaac Phillips, 11 games this year, 31 total. This was a gutsy effort by a young Chicago team that is, you know, they they have some moves to make. They're going to get some guys out at the deadline. They can get some more picks or some younger guys. Again, like Jason Dickinson will be a guy that's in demand. But you have to give Chicago a lot of credit. Those guys played hard last night. When we come back. We will uh, check in with Mark Spector on the mark, powered by Booster Juice. But before that, time now for a Sports 1440 update brought to you by First Round. You can watch NFL football at First Round Monday, Thursdays, and Sundays, and you could win a trip to watch your favorite NHL team next year. Here is the Duke.